HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by Bon Bon, a neighborhood bistro in Lawrence, Kansas, bringing Midwest flavors to international cuisine. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hi, I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building and growing consumer brands. When we launched a line of fresh sauces, I knew we were jumping into something crazy. Haven's Kitchen is a cooking school cafe and event space. A product that people buy in grocery stores is an entirely new business, and I had a lot to learn. So in my efforts to get myself educated, I started meeting everyone I know and respect who could advise me on production and distribution, sales and legal, PR, and social media. Then I started having those conversations here as a podcast so that other entrepreneurs can learn from them as well. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I am speaking with a special guest, <laughs> special, um, David Mawinney, former colleague, current founder of Franklin and Emily, a design-forward children's furniture company. Hi, David. Hi, Allie. I'm so psyched you're here. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I think this is the first time that I'm not actually like a little nervous. Really? Oh. Yeah, because sometimes like I, in reading the intro, I get a little like a little shaky. Not What's usually. Next? Yeah. I don't know. And I don't feel anything. At all. <laughs> I feel nothing. No, I'm psyched to talk to you because we haven't... I want to give people a little background. Um, well, you're going to give people a little background. I can do that too, you're, yeah. You were born in Toronto. Born in Toronto, yeah. I'm yeah. Canadian. Um, He's Canadian. So I will apologize a few times throughout this podcast, I think. Um, I was born in... Yeah, I was born in Toronto and, uh, you know, great upbringing, uh, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Uh, as a kid, I probably was more destructive than I think my parents would like. I was always finicking with stuff and taking stuff apart and, you know, uh, all that. Um, but yeah, super fun. Um, Toronto. And then, uh, 12 years ago now, my wife and I moved from Toronto to New York. We were going to do it for a year. Mm -hmm. And after the second year, people stopped asking us when we were going to come back. Now I want to back up a little bit because when I met you, you were someone I met week one when I opened Havens. 
And um, you were a teacher mm -hmm. at the beginning, and then you took over a lot of various things there, and we can get into that in your in your life history. <laughs> um, but you had been, prior to being a chef, you had been an accountant. Yes. So I was an accountant for six years at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, I went to school for economics at Queens. Then I did some um, post work in accounting and then started as in financial services audit. So now therein lies the rub because yeah. um, you were a kid who was a tinkerer. And my guess is I ask everyone, you know, what did you want to be when you were nine? And my guess is you would have said not an accountant. Not an accountant. I would have <laughs> gone with either criminal lawyer or oh. butler. <laughs> I just, I, I love it. Still to this day, like I just, I love the whole like uh, making faces behind the... Yeah, like, behind that. Like, but also right. having to know like a little bit about everything. Mm -hmm. So you've got to know a little bit about service. You've got a little bit about stain removal. You've got to, like just all these kind of things. It's like the guy in Trading Places who wears the different hat. <laughs> he's like, you know, he puts yeah. on the chauffeur hat, but then he's also yep. the butler. Then no, exactly. Then he cooks the dinner. And exactly. I think you never get bored that way. Right. Well, right. And that is big for you. Yeah. Um, so why did you end up I, in financial services. I think it was one of those things, and I'm not going to uh, talk about high school so much, but I don't think people, especially when I was going to high school, they were given the right kind of career path. It was, if you go to this sort of high school, which is an academic school versus a technical school, mm -hmm. here's the trajectory you can go on. There's four different things. You can be a lawyer, an engineer, a doctor, or, you know, the, right. you know kind of professional. Right. Um, so I did that, and it was just kind of this natural progression. I went with the flow, and you just... You never get caught up, and there's never really, because I think there's so much pressure put on that, you never really stop and, like, what do I want? What do I really or want? what are these different options? Like, you know, and, and podcasting wasn't around there, but, like, no. are people telling people to get into podcasts now? Or right. that's just kids saying, like, oh, I, I see that now. I can do that. Or, yeah. like, comedians. You never learn, like, oh, that's no. an option? No. Yeah, Gracie Dulick was here, who um, is the head of sales at Matcha Bar last week, and she was saying that, you know, she went to Duke, and... When she said she wanted to get into food, they're like, great, we can help you get a job at Unilever or, mm -hmm. you know, at General Mills. Like there yeah. was no sort of like what you, you know, uh, uh, they don't think that granularly. No. And they also don't necessarily think what what your temperament and skill set and particular kind of like vibe yeah. is. That being said, we're so young at that point in our lives that we don't really know who we are or yeah. what we want. So no, we I, kind of listen. If we're good at math, we go into, you know, finance. Yeah. It sort of goes that I way. wasn't good at math, though. So <laughs> this doesn't answer that question. So no. Uh, but it, you should have rolled with that. And though. I think that's the worst question that you can ask a kid is like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You're yep. like, I'm six. No oh my idea. gosh. Did you just see, there was just a uh, Oprah interviewing Michelle Obama and no. Michelle Obama said the exact same thing you just said. Oh. First of all, it sounds very finite when you grow up, like, yeah. it's done. You're you know? not going to have three different careers. Right, except you, know, you did. Except I did. So yeah. carry on. Um, so where were we? Uh, so, you know, I, I you got You met Amy. I met Amy. Um, I met Amy actually at the... Sorry, my wife is Amy. <laughs> I, I left accounting kind of at the same time I met her, not on purpose. Okay. Uh, I just felt like at the end of the day, I didn't need... I needed to do something with my hands. I needed mm -hmm. to be creative... In accounting that's generally illegal. And like, we're talking, I was an accountant when Enron was blowing up. Like, that's the kind of. But you didn't have anything to, to do that. with that. I did that, not. Right? They have okay. not pinned that on me yet. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things. I just, at the end of the day, I'm like, no, I need to do something else. So, I, you know, I, I left, I left PwC and, you know, Amy and I were still going back and forth on our work emails at that point. You know, we hadn't really, I don't think I'd given her my Hotmail address yet. Right. 
And uh, and then, yeah, after, I'm like, oh, I'm actually leaving accounting. She's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, writing, photography, or cooking. And she's like, okay. Oh, wow. So very on and like, I could not have been here without her having that kind of even, or very early on initial support of right. like, cool. She is your rock. Oh, man. she's insane. She's yeah, amazing. She's, yeah, she's great. I Hopefully. should have her on. Forget you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm just kind of the the build up to that. <laughs> You're the uh, what did we? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did... late does this get? How late does this go? On? No. <laughs> show pony, I believe <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. the workhorses, and they're yeah. the show ponies. Yeah. But you are not a show pony. I you do. Are pran- actually, I do prance around. You do but... prance. Um, okay, so you got into cooking. You got into cooking like in a major way. I got into you cooking went in a ma- straight for like the top. Yeah, and I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna, and you know, I, I have a lot of, I a lot of people that are career changers come to me now. They're like, "What do I need to do, or how do I get there?" And it's like, you have to jump in with both feet. You've got to take it completely. Yeah, and you can't own it. dip your toe. You in. can't dip your toe in. So it's like for me, it was like I'm not going to be making that kind of money for a while. Um, and I need to really, I don't want to go back to school for it because I've got enough schooling. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I always found myself old at that. I was 25 at the time. Right. But you're working with people that are, you know, have been over from Europe or that, and they've mm-hmm. been cooking since they're 12. I feel behind the eight ball. So I didn't want to go back to school and do, you know, go to the CIA or whatever schools were available in Toronto at the time. So I had to piece my own kind of curriculum together. So Mm -hmm. it's, I'm going to spend time in the bakery. I'm going to learn about pastry. I'm going to learn, you know, on the hotline so that I can, you know, fish. So yeah, fish, uh, fish, meat, like all that sort of stuff. So that when, you know, I have my own restaurant one day, I'll know a little bit about why, you know, why that's happening or what what's happening. Um, and that, and that's kind of the, the took, that's the kind of the approach I took. So start at the bottom as a prep receiver in a, you know, in one of Toronto's like best restaurants at the time, but that was the only level I could get How'd in How'd you get that job? I, and it sounds cliche, but I knocked on the door. Right. I knocked on the door and I knew the chef was going to be there at this time. And it was like, it's the worst time now to go. It's like right before service. Right. And, you know, they, they made me wait in the basement and he finally came down. He's like, you can start here. You know, you're going to try it for the day. If we like you, here's what the pay is. Here's what the hours are. I'm like, great. Yeah. And I just, ne- I just needed that you know, that door to open up and then the rest was going to be a hundred percent up to me. But I do think it's a good lesson. I mean, even, you know, I think even at 25, you were a more mature, right? Not to say that you're mature, but yeah, you (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's a good lesson for people. I think there are a lot, there are a lot of people that come to me who don't know how to get into food, don't know how to get into writing, don't know how to get like, and my advice isn't very helpful necessarily but it's just like how easy are you making it for someone to say no to you Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day that's the whole thing just make it really hard for someone to say no to you build the relationship bother them to the point where like you're not harassing them because that makes it actually very easy for them to Mm -hmm. say no to Mm -hmm. you but you're a i think you're the kind of guy that makes it hard for people to say no and b it's just a really good life lesson that you you weren't kind of, you didn't leave and then sort of hope that something fell into your lap. You no. went and knocked And I had door. a list of, and it's funny looking back at them now, like I don't know if a lot of the restaurants still, but I had a list of like resumes that I was sending out. And, it, you know, I would open up the Toronto Life restaurant guide and mm-hmm. it would be the top 10 restaurants. And I'd say, okay, here's, you know, I'm going to pick four of these. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of it. Like that, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to set my sights on these. And if that doesn't work out, we're going to do writing. And right. then if that doesn't work out, we're going to do photography. And right. then... Yeah, I'll keep so the calculator you, so that if you if shot need for be. the moon. Yeah. 
And that's how you ended up at Haven's Kitchen. That is exactly. I'm like, wow. what's the number? What's the premier cooking school <laughs> event space and cafe in the Chelsea region? <laughs> On 17th Street. Yeah, there was a few, yes. but I narrowed it down. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. At that point, we didn't have a whole lot of street cred. No. But so you, so you were cooking in restaurants. You yep. got your like, you got your. Your chef coat, loved it. Yeah, I got my chef coat. I, I loved it. I collected knives. I did all the chef stuff. I ate at the yep. new places. And that was in Toronto. And then we decided to move to New York. And um, it was either New York or Paris. And Amy, wow. had, Amy had places at both um, that were gonna, ready to hire her. And either one. I mean, I don't think looking back now, I would have got to where I was in, in Paris. Yeah. Um, well, you don't speak French. I don't speak French. Yeah, that would have um, been a problem. <laughs> French joke there, nailed it. Uh, yeah. So you know, so I, I I went and I did the same thing in, in New York again. Okay, what are the top restaurants? Yep. There's Le Bernardin, there's Danielle, there's Per Se, there's right. know, the others. Um, and you know, through the people that I'd worked with in Toronto and the, the people in Montreal, he's like, okay, I know I know someone at, at James Beard that can at least make an introduction. Yep. And that's really all you need because the rest is really up to you. Yep. You know that. So um, Mitchell Davis, I don't mind you know thanking yep. him for that. Um, put me in touch with, you know, people at Danielle and, and, you know, Thomas Keller per se. And, you know, I worked at Danielle for a while and then I got an opportunity to stage, which is, you know, you spend one day in the restaurant to see really it, it's like the, it's the original culture fit. If you yeah. will. like, can I spend 12 hours with you? Like I can assume you can cook or if you can't cook, I'll teach you how to cook. Like I, and that's the, their whole philosophy, but it's right. like, can we spend time with each other side by side? Like for 12 hours, for 12 hours. Yep. And so you do a day there and then they ask you back for another day. And then if another you, day. If, if they can, can stand yeah, you. And they can cut you out at any, any point. So after the fifth day, and I remember making, and you don't know at that point you're going day by day and they can yeah, cut you because the, you're not the only person doing this. There's other people around you. And the whole joke there was the, you know, you, we call everyone chef. So whatever the level you are. So the porters are called chef. Chef is called chef. A lot of chefing. Right. But it means you don't have to remember anyone's name because right. they might not be there the next day. Right. Um, so yeah. that was interesting. And so I, I made it. And one of my friends. How did you know, though? How did you know when you had made it? I mean, you're there on like day 46. Well, and you're like, you know, know, it was day five or six. And he's like, listen, um, I know you're waiting for. And this is TK himself? No, this was Jonathan Benno. Okay. Um He's like, listen, I know you're waiting on your, uh, not green card, but at the time, but it was my immigration papers. Right. Being Canadian, but married to an American, I had to wait. And he's like, as soon as you get them, let me know, and then we'll get you on the schedule. Wow, nice. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, I spent that day, and it was the final kind of thing. It was like, I think we had to make family meal. And family meal is so important there. Yes. That, you know, and I completely agree with it, and that's what we brought that to, to yep. Heaven's Kitchen as well. Um, but it's like, if you can't cook your best for people that you work with, that yep. you know, intimately, why are you cooking for yeah, customers? You know, totally. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I've always found it was very special that I got to do, and I remember the dish, it was paella. Mm -hmm. And so we had to butcher chicken. We had to do vegetables. We had to cook rice, which I hate, uh, all these kind of things to make this like, you know, family meal for 80 people. And it, you know. Yeah. It, it took you most of the day kind of thing. And I remember like um, John Adler, uh -huh. uh, you know, I was walking, you know, I was working across from him and he's like, chef, you're not going to take the germ out of the garlic. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> this is a place. And then I'm like, you know, it's like, no, it's for staff. And he's like, oh. you didn't say anything. I'm like, I'm going to go back and take those germs out. Right. I learned that. That's a trick yeah. for all you listeners out there. The little green germ in the garlic is cause, and it causes a little stomach. Yeah. A little stomach. Something, something. Yeah. Yeah. 
You want to take it out? You want to take that out. Okay. So how'd you end up at Havens? I ended up at Havens because of um, Julia Sullivan, who I spent time with at Per Se. Um, she was our first everything kitchen. Yeah. I, and she's I didn't now, even know that we needed what she's we She's now needed. gone on to, I can't open up a food magazine where her face isn't on it, yes. which is great. She's in... Uh, she's opened her own restaurant, Henrietta Red, in Nashville. It's yes, a, it's a plug for free right there. Woot woot. Um, and she's like, "Listen, I need to. I want to go into more operational role, but I want to have myself covered on the back end in cooking. So, um, you know, would you like?" And at the time, I was kind of like cooking. I think I did rosé and grilling, mm-hmm. and pickling, preserving, and fermenting, or yes. another class. You like did that. the whole pig. I did the whole pig, yeah. And then it was, you know, transition on to like more of a full time role there. Yes, and then you were with me. For five years? Six. Wow. I know. Well, that's what it says on LinkedIn. So. Yeah, well, because you started there when we opened and you... Mm-hmm. Le- right. So, and then when we decided to do the sauces, I'll never forget because <laughs> I we we had our first... P- like, things were going pretty well. Yep. It looked like it was going to actually be a thing. And I came to you sort of like, okay, are you ready to do this? And you were like, No. <laughs> 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 no. You just were like, I don't actually want to do CPG. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful. Like, I think, yeah. because thank you for, you know, another good lesson in life. It, it, if you had said yes, and then it, it wouldn't have worked, it wouldn't have gone quite as great as it has. I mean, I think <laughs> I was super... I'll take that in the way that you intend it, yeah. No, but you know what I mean? It's like, if if you aren't, like you said, if you're not 100% mm-hmm. ready to do something... It's gonna show up yep. somewhere. There's yep. gonna be like a, a little hole in in the bubble, you know. And one of the things that like it's very similar to, to cooking, where you're, I feel you're always teaching and you're always learning at the same time. And yep. the moment you stop doing one of the two, then it's not gonna work either. And yep. if you don't have that 100% passion, which is completely transparent, and yeah. I dare you to find anyone that that can hide that, then your team around you yep. is not gonna be yeah. is not gonna have that passion. It's true. You know, it's true, but it's hard. You know, it's it's hard to put your finger on it when, when you're, when you, when you can feel like it, because my approach to you was, okay, like I want you yeah. to get more excited about this. Yeah. Let's, let's think of ways to get you more excited about yeah. it. And that's why I'm grateful because mm-hmm. you came back to me and said, it's not anything, there's nothing you're going to like do or give me or, or make nope. that's going to make me more excited about it. I was hitting it from like the, how can I get him more yeah. into it? And you were just kind enough to say, I just, this is just not what I want yeah. to do. And, and how did you know that it wasn't what you wanted to do? And I think it was, it was kind of, to a much lesser extent, the, the same thing that, you know, I, I experienced back in high school. It was like, you know, I, I'd done the culinary director, we'd done events, cafe, all that kind of stuff. This was a new project. I was excited. Mm-hmm. And it was something new. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and, you know, you jump into it and you're like, okay. But am I just getting pushed along with this is the way, this right. is where this business is going now. This is, you know, one of the offshoots of this yeah. business. And you just get swept up in this storm. And it's exciting. Yeah. You're building something from the ground up. You're learning all this new <laughs> vocabulary to, I mean, and you're continuing to learn throughout it's it. But like, crazy. you're talking about different kind of plastics in right. the packaging. You're talking about packaging. You're talking about edge crush, te- edge crush test for corrugated cardboard, <laughs> like 3PL shipping. Like, you're learning right. all this new, which is super exciting. Yes. And then you step back and then 
You're like, what am I doing? Like, what did I make this decision, or right. did I just kind of did the decision make did the decision me. make you? And yeah. ultimately, it was like, no, I don't think I made this decision. Let's go make uh, let's go make some furniture. Let's go make some small chairs. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the pivot into design forward furniture that can take a lick in. <laughs> All right. This episode is presented by Bonbon, a neighborhood bistro in Lawrence, Kansas, bringing Midwest flavors to international cuisine. Bonbon is a place for friends and neighbors to come together and enjoy good food and good company. The heart of Bonbon is filled with love for the community of Lawrence, Kansas, for the staff and suppliers that put food on the tables, for quality local ingredients, and for fun, creative dishes. Learn more at bonbonlawrence.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Jenna Liute, and I'm the host of Eating Matters here on HRN. Join me as I talk to food systems experts about the issues that shape our experiences of buying, cooking, and eating food. You can find Eating Matters wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Hi, I'm back with David Mawinney, founder of furniture brand Franklin and Emily. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about, because I remember sitting on the couch and it was kind of new to me that you didn't want to be doing the sauces anymore, but it wasn't new to you. I mean, there was was an idea in your head and I I think that conversation was when it literally felt like you were like, I got to go. Like it kind of mm-hmm. poured out of you, I yeah. think, because I, I said, what can we, you know, I kind of poked a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so what, what were the thoughts in your head? Like why, why kids furniture and why, and wh- how did, why the, kids furniture? <laughs> like, I mean, how did it all kind of come in? So funny. Everyone like, they're like accounting. Why? Cooking? Why? <laughs> Children's furniture? Why? Well, they all make sense to me knowing you. Sure, when you, you know me, yeah. Yes, but, it's like oh, all the these different really. facets of yourself. Yeah. You know? Um, so Except the accounting. I had, yeah. I had, um, I'd always been kind of building stuff around, like in our apartment, I built our, like, we have a 10 foot dining table. That's, you built everything at Haven's, that anyone from yeah. Haven's Kitchen needed, yeah. like a toy box, a shelf, a yeah. place to store, blah, blah. You yeah. were the guy that built it. Yeah. So I was, I've been doing that for a while, and then my daughter, who Frances, who's now three, she was two at the time, or one and a half, um, she would come into our bedroom every morning, and she'd sit on our printer, um, <laughs> Hewitt Packard, thank you, and you know she broke the the feeder, the tray, the all that kind of stuff, and it was like, all right, I'm going to build you a chair to sit on, because clearly you're not not going to come in here, <laughs> and so I built her a small chair, and we built it with her in mind, kind of designed it from there up. And it was like I found an upholstery company that did some, you know, easy cushions for me. And people would come over like, oh, where'd you get that? I'm like, oh, I made it. They're like, ha ha. Right. And then, you know, my son Desmond, who's now six, he wanted his own chair. So we built him. It was um, a take on the uh, Le Cabossier LC2 chair, which is like this old club chair. <laughs> right. That was insane to build, but it was super fun. And I, like, I remember taking pictures of like... Um, at the, the place I was working in, Supersmith in Red Hook. And I'm like, this is my new cutting board. Like, it's now, right. like, it's diff- completely different tools. And so we, we just, more and more people were like, oh, these are really cool. Like, uh-huh. you should. And then, again, Amy, she's like, just do it. Yeah. Like, start a company, make make children's furniture. And do you think that you can sort of, can you draw any 
can you say I learned this in accounting and I applied it to this the my new startup? Or can you say I learned this from cooking and I applied that to my new thing? Like, like even a though neat it's little a, package of- a neat little package for our listeners. But yeah. you know, because it is a career change. But my guess is that there's a thread that you can tie through from each thing. Yeah. Um, no, there definitely is. And I think from accounting, um, you know, there was that, you know, I know I need a budget. I know I need to worry about, you know, cogs. This is also stuff that we knew in sauce, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that just kind of came, you know, naturally. But a lot of the vocabulary that I need to use now when I'm talking to people, it's like, I need to know what my customer acquisition cost is. Yeah. I need to know what my uh, LTV of my my consumers are. Like, I need to know targeting, like m- digital marketing spend. These are something that, like, yeah. even with an accounting background, you're like, no. Well, these that's are- really particular. I mean, that's not even so much for us as a like as a con- you know as a grocery brand. That's yeah. really you know direct to consumer language. Yeah. No, exactly. I want to ask you a little bit about that too, but I want to ask you about cooking and how mm-hmm. it sort of informed the way that you make the furniture. From cooking, like I really got it from like you know the, the the cooking that we did at Haven's Kitchen really came from a sustainability point of view, and yep. you know the most you know the the best thing you can do is cook at home. Which, sorry for all the restaurants out there, but it is. It's true. Uh, and so I, I you know I kind of took those tenets of sustainability to the furniture thing. Like I know that I wanted like, and I have kids too, so I want to know that you know this chair is going to be well made. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a great product. It's going to be made from you know, sustainably sourced lumber. So we're dealing, you know, we're upstate New York. We get, you know, we're going to small mills, not these massive places from. So it is, it's like farm to yeah. table. It's literally from forest farm, to forest right. to floor. <laughs> forest yeah. to chair. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, a hundred percent recycled uh, fabrics and, and that sort of stuff. So I knew I did want to take a lot of those tenants from yeah. more of a cooking ethos into the into the company with me. What I like about it also, I read something that you you were in an interview on Eater. Thank you. Yes. And I really liked what you said, which was that, you know, one of the things that everyone at Havens knows about you is the way that your kids eat, which yeah. is just amazing yeah. because they eat everything and they have such like they just they just don't have kid palates no. at all. And I think what you said and you can correct it but Mm -hmm. what I liked is that you sort of took the like don't dumb it down for a kid ethos in your food kind of philosophy to your why does kids furniture need to be kind of crappy and sort of like something that you you're you don't want out as a design object yeah you know and and you you kind of made that a very clear parallel yeah and it was like I don't like I want to teach kids design like I do at food at a very young age and if they're just exposed to it like my daughter loves Castle Vetrano olives. We call it Frankie Olive Fingers when we're at Whole Foods. Right. Because she puts olives on her finger. And that's that's just, like, she doesn't know any better. Yep. She just knows those are great olives. Yeah. And the same, I think, with furniture, with, any, with music. You know, like, we don't play a lot of kids' music at right. home. Right. Although with, Raffi, I well, mean, I mean, Raffi's, Raffi's got a special great, place. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Raffi. And, and I think the same is with, with furniture, too. Like, there are, you know, edges on here that you won't find in other furniture. Right. Because it's like, well... That's fine. Yeah, they can ex- handle it. Can Your handle kids it. know how to handle a yeah. knife. And they you can know, handle a chair. All of the all of the chairs that we use in the photo shoots are about a year old. Like I wanted to see I wanted to show people how, you know, indestructible these things are. Yes. And you know, the fabric and all that kind of stuff. So really not dumbing dumbing any of that down yeah. for kids. No, I think it's very cool and I want to go back a little bit too to like I feel like how did you know like how did you really know you were ready to make the leap? And then the first day that you weren't at Havens, I mean, it's a really, it's an interesting, we work in a very, 
um, there is zero privacy at yep. Haven's Kitchen. I yep. mean, everything we we call like the stairwell, the HR office. HR office, because I mean, we'll meet in closets, we'll meet in stairs, we'll meet on the bench outside, but mm-hmm. there is no alone time. And mm-hmm. on one hand, I think, um, you know, maybe on some level you weren't, uh, it was okay to be out of that environment, but I would imagine on another level, it was a little bit of a shell shock being by yourself. Definitely. And that's yeah. the one of the things that like, I'm like, I don't have anyone to bounce ideas off. I don't have, I, or I didn't when I was starting. And it yeah. was like, you know, or I would struggle with stuff all day and Amy would come home from work and she's like, well, I got this going on. I'm like, I need to talk to someone about, yeah. you know, this or that, or what do you think about that? And she's great for that. And now it's kind of, you know, the reverse. She's like, okay, what's going on in furniture? I'm like, I've thought about that all day. Like, can mm-hmm. we just, you know, what are the kids doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was day one like? I mean, for career changers out there. Who are sitting well, I mean, at their desks yeah. listening to this because they hate their jobs. Start drafting a letter. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was it was very freeing because mm-hmm. like I'm I got back in the driver's seat. Yeah. As far, and there was, you know, I don't regret doing accounting. I don't regret being a chef. Uh, I think there's all those kind of things you just keep on building on mm-hmm. and it opens doors and I can have different conversations and all that kind of stuff. So I don't regret that at all. But I was very I was very happy. It was like, okay, this is something this is my baby now. Yeah. Like you know, it wasn't, you know, building other people's brands, which is great. Right. But it's like, no, I think it's my turn to yep. do something that I want to do now. No, absolutely. And that was the big jumping off part. It was like, okay. And then, you know, you run to work. You're like, great. And, you know, I still wasn't at Haven's Kitchen because there's always like, it was just perpetually new cool stuff going on. Right. But it's like, now you're running to this workshop and mm-hmm. it's a different kind of thing. And you're like, I don't know what's going to happen today. Right. And that's great. And so what were your first steps? I mean, how did you set up? Did you set up an LLC? I set up an LLC. I set up a bank account. You made a t-shirt. I made a t-shirt. Yeah, Yeah. the the t-shirt was one of them. Like, I need a t-shirt. I had a logo before I had anything. Well, that was my big... I I did as well. I... um, Dave Frankel, who was, uh, he now, he's got his own shop called uh, Virgo in New York, um, did a wonderful job. And I went to him, like, it's kids' furniture. It has to skew 30% kids, 90% parents, because they're ultimately <laughs> going to buy it. I want it approachable, so I like the egg corn. I like my kids' middle names. Yep. Go for it. And he kind of broke all that down. And it was just like, That's fine. great, I have this. And I, I got stickers made, and I stuck stickers on everything. And it was like, all right, great. Okay, but now, that was now before what? you even left, right? I yeah. mean, it, so... Yeah. Day one, like day one, I, I literally went to the, the shop and it was one of those things where I was like, okay, so how many of these can I actually build? And I was like right. walking through, okay, it takes me one day to build one of these chairs, but if I multiply that out, that, that, and you know, Amy was kind of talking to me and she, you know, she's like, well, how many do you think you can make in a year? And I started doing the math and she was looking at me. She's like, you know, you're not making these. <laughs> Right. And that was like, that was very early on. It's like, no, okay, so there was a pivot. Now we need to find production people. Right. Now we need to find people that can, you know, sew my cushions, can source that, can cut all the wood, can, you know, make them, that I got to find corrugated people, like all this kind of stuff. Because right. now it's like, okay, great. I just have to make chairs. Now it's like, no, all these other things right. open up. You know, I have to get special insurance for that. There's a whole bunch of cushion legislation that I have to look on and what the labeling requirements Yeah, are. like flammables. Flammables. Yeah. Then you've got like Proposition 65 in California, you have technical right. bullet 117. All these things you have to completely have brushed up on because you're selling stuff to kids and people right. get litigious. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're selling stuff. You're selling stuff in stop. general. Yeah. Right. I mean, and people definitely are litigious. So would the, would, would the steps that you took then, or is it what you thought it would be? 
No. Right. Um, I think I would have done stuff in very much reverse order okay. and really step back. I think there's the whole, like, you know, you work on, you know, you get the product and then you get the, the marketing and then you get sales. And now I think the whole kind of concept behind that is like, no, get the marketing sales and then figure out what the product looks like. Ah, like, you know, kind of really flipping that back, back on its head. Well, it's interesting because there are people, you know, who've come on the show. I can think of Hannah Bronfman in particular because she doesn't exactly Fellow have... Canadian. Oh, yes. She doesn't exactly have a product yet, right? She has her book and she has herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because she's built, you know, the way she refers to it as a voice. Yeah. And, you know, I, you can call it a community, you can call it a brand, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Yes. And then it is easier to segue from having an audience and a community that knows you and knows, knows kind of what you represent to then selling them like, oh, and by the way, yeah. you can have this fill in the blank. So you are doing it a little bit. I am doing a little bit. And that's the first like six to nine months. Oddly, I just cut off a bunch of phone calls earlier about this. But it's like I'm working on, I'm not worried about sales for the first year, which sounds really bad. No, you shouldn't be. But I'm not because I'm working on a brand. I want people to like, oh, my kid needs furniture. I want them to think of me. me. It's not about sales right now. It's building that brand, building the story, building the trust so that they know know, they got that stuff and they get it. Sorry to interrupt you, because I think what you're saying is so right. And and even like looking back at Sauce, we did have sales, but I don't even think of them as sales. I think of year one as prologue. Yeah. I think of year one as, is this going to be a thing? Because if it's a thing, then I'm going to do the things that I need to do. Right. right? But year one is basically you're just trying... To, to test to see if there's interest. Yeah, to you're see. trying to get product market fit. Exactly. You're trying to just see like, you know, what does this look like? Is there, is there, what's going to, what is this going to take? And then, then you can kind of go on from that. Like I, for me personally, I'm going to be pre-revenue for a while. Yeah. Even though I've got revenue coming in now, it's not something that I could actually go to an investor and say like, right. hey, I've got all this revenue. They're like, right. great. So instead, <laughs> I've poured all that into marketing strategy. So here's my marketing strategy for the first 18 months, broken by three-month intervals. Are you going to uh, tell us? Yeah, well, in part two, after the break. You know, here's <laughs> There's my, no more breaks, I know. buddy. <laughs> oh, we'll have to tune in next time. No, but here's Part my digital duh. here's my digital marketing strategy. <laughs> right. Here's my overall strategy. Here's my influencers that I'm approaching. Yes. And that, you know, and having that as your year one mm-hmm. is, is so much more important than a revenue. You do have to, and I don't think enough people do this as new founders, specifically first time founders, is they don't look at what other KPIs are besides sales. sales. Mm-hmm. So what are my impressions? What are my, what's my mailing list look like at the end of year one? Do I need 10,000 So give people? us, I mean, give us some specifics, you know, for the people who are deciding what their key performance indicators should be. Aside from sales, what would you say the top three? I think the top three, and because I'm a direct-to-consumer model, like social media is very important for me. So mm-hmm. over, you know, my three different platforms that I'm focusing on, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, I want to have X by the end of year one, or at least right. a, a growth multiple that I can see that trending upwards. Um, I also want to look at what my digital marketing spend is. And, you know, that's one of those things that you can actually quantify as a dollar value. Like, I'm going to put X number into these falling channels. And again, I'm not looking at it for a return, you know? Right. I mean, the only, the question I have is one of the, I've, I was given advice and I actually haven't heeded it, but I was given advice that to have an Instagram ad with the sauce when there's no, you know, call to action, you can't buy the sauce online, right? So her point, and she's an expert, was 
why would you have an Instagram ad for something that there's no, by the time, you know, they'll see it, they'll be like, oh, that looks cool. Where do I buy it? Oh, I can't. Yeah. They may or may not remember it the next time they're at Whole Foods. They may or may not think it's the same thing that they saw. So I ended up not heeding that advice because I'm still a believer in that. Like, but if they just see that pouch, Mm -hmm. it'll get, get ingrained in their brain and the when they see it for that seventh time then they'll buy it yeah you but just gotta like what about is the that chairs? yeah what about the chairs so my call to actions are like sign up for the newsletter right like, you so know, you have like, call to actions i, I have call to actions like that it's like it doesn't you know great get a chair i mean who but they can get them if they, they want can definitely them. get them right. yeah franklinemily.com <laughs> um you know but my call to action is like get on my get on the social media like sign up to all the different channels i have um all that kind of stuff sign up to the newsletter um, you know, we're working on different, like the chair is just the first in a line of five things that we've got prototyped that are coming out within Ooh, this year. Really? I know. Yeah. Are you allowed to discuss that? Sure. Um, us, we have a, uh, a love seat, which we're calling <gasps> chair by chair. I like a love that seat. name will change. Um, yeah. And we've got a stool coming out, which is going to be at a lower price point. And we've got this Cute. like built in library with a kind of lounging chair built. Oh, in on top. so they can read yeah. and have their books yeah. and, and have all their books underneath. And I love that. That, that stuff, reminds yeah. me of like dollhouse furniture, like low. That's a little too small for me. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they used to have the coolest like modular yeah. little pieces. For, yeah. oh, I love and that. And it's just taken a lot of influence from what people used to have. Like a lot of the big designers did do small children stuff that right. just kind of fallen off. Have you gone back into history and enjoyed yeah. that? You know, Charles and Ray Ames did a lot of stuff with that. And yeah. it's really neat because again, just like I learned cooking, now I've got to go back and like, you know, Dieter Rams has a book. I have to read up on that. And what are his right. design principles? And you're constantly, constantly learning. And then there's a business to run on the side. I mean, I think that's super fun. Do you think about um, direct-to-consumer and retail as two different things? Do you think it's all kind of blurred into one now? Would you consider both Both. I, know, I am strategies? considering both. I just think, yeah. And I don't want to, like, you know, kind of bifurcate on both those. But it's one of those things where I think that people, that's the way people shop now. People are, like more interested in the brand Mm -hmm. and getting that trust behind the brand. So they're like, I don't actually care where I get this from. So if it's from their website, that's great. Um, And, you know, everyone knows that, yeah, you're cutting out the the distribution and you're cutting out all that kind of cost. But it's really just like, yeah, here's a brand I can trust and I'm going to get it directly from them or one of the other channels. It really doesn't matter. Are there stores that you kind of have identified that you want to be in? No, there definitely is. And I think what we're going to start just without stores is going around to local um, bookstores. And oh, put them in there. That's so yeah. smart. So powerhouse on eighth. I hope you're listening. Um, <laughs> we're gonna, you know, we're gonna approach them and put one chair in there, so that just people can be like, hey, this is really cool, and do kind of a little bit more guerrilla marketing like that. Oh, I think that's. And then really you know, online retailers with drop shipping. You know, Masonette is the huge one for me. That's you know. I've never even heard of. Well, I oh. wouldn't. Yeah. Right. Is there um, something that you missed early on that? you wish someone would have told you that you would like to spare listeners from missing? Uh, I definitely think it's setting goals for yourself, Mm -hmm. even though you know that you can move the goalposts, but just like by this time I need to have this done by this time I need to have that done Mm -hmm. and then not beat yourself up if you're over by a little bit too. I think that's what a lot of people be like. I always feel like I'm behind Mm -hmm. and then, you know, I'll come home and not to mention Amy again, but she's like, Look at the week you just had. She you really did this. is like... I know, she's... Yeah. Yay, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, <laughs> snaps for Amy. Snaps for Amy. But like, yeah, she's like, you had an incredible week. Like, look at this, this, this. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't get this one thing done. Right. She's like, but yeah, but that doesn't matter. The problem is, is then you demotivate yourself because yeah. you, you decide, you like shame corner it, mm-hmm. you know? So you can't, so then you, you almost make it worse for yeah. yourself. Yeah. Okay. So you would set better goals for yourself. Set a, yeah. Set up better goals, better deadlines, and then not beat yourself up about them. Okay. And have you hired anyone? I have actually. Um, someone that I worked with at Haven's Kitchen, actually. I know. Uh, yeah. I knew I was yeah. just setting you yeah. up to like Thank hit you. the ball. Yeah. Perfect podcast host. <laughs> uh, yeah, Shell Hatke. Um, she, and it's great. She's amazing. We've worked well together. We worked on the Haven's Kitchen cookbook together. Did you put a job description together and then like present it to her? Or were you just like, help, I She's going to be listening help. to this, right? Um, I hope no, so. No, it was a lot more kind of, she comes from the point of view, like, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. You know, so when we were talking about what her title should be and she's like generalist or, like, you know, that kind of thing, just, I, I kind of, I left it with her. I'm like, you can touch anything that doesn't involve, you know, design production or right. like the financial aspect. I will, I will own those, but any kind of like our communication, our brand, all, you know, feel free to jump on and take. And I think it's an incredible opportunity not just for her, but just to have that, you know, in that startup where you have someone that's so passionate, yep. has a lot of talent. Yeah. And she's just so wants to, organized too. Yeah. I mean, she's like your perfect compliment. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, you know, we had talked about. Not that you're not organized. No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things like people were like, oh, do you have a co-founder? I'm like, I don't because I don't know where that fit is yet. And that's just such a huge, yeah. Huge I would thing. probably have some thoughts on that. Yeah, might. Yeah, yeah, might. Just because I think people make those decisions way too early. Way too early. And I, I just like there was no one that you know, and, and Shell, it's a different kind of story. But there's right. no one that has that kind of passion. Yep. That it's like these are yeah. tiny chairs. That's it. You know? Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that uh, you know one of the things that Sierra and Maddie said when they came on as co-founders is because I know a lot of people that you know, the jobs change, Mm -hmm. right? So, so when you're, so it's, I think when you're growing up a little bit and people have to move into different roles, I mean, even Scott Norton from Sir Kensington's, he had like a major sort of little identity crisis because what he thought he was really great at turned out that there were experts that were really good at it. So as a co-founder, he had to figure out what he was. And, you know, I think it's, people say that it's, it's harder when you're when you're a solo founder, yeah. but I think it's probably um, there are probably more that go downhill than yeah than you know. And it's one of those things that like just jumping back on your thing about what I take away from cooking. It's actually like when cooking, I wanted to learn everything. I needed yeah. to be you know I needed to do charcuterie. I needed to do bread. Mm-hmm. This now I'm just like you know what there are experts in this. Like if I need images altered, I'm not going to bother to learn Photoshop. Yes. I'm going to go on, which is how we did all the photography on the website. Mm-hmm. I took the photos because I'm actually, I can do that. And it was great. And I saved a lot of money. But then editing, no. Right. And then so we, we went on Fiverr and we found someone that within 18 hours, yeah. you know, went through 90 photos on three different angles. And so the photos on the website, there's only two chairs. And what right. he did was he color corrected all the fabrics awesome. to the colors. So you're saving, you know, right. I saved myself production costs early Have on. you used Fiverr for other things? I've used Fiverr for quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a nice plug too. It's I mean, great. It's, you know. Fiverr.com slash Frank Lamely. It could be a, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're at the place No, yet. we're not, we're we're not like, at that place. We don't right. have enough downloads. No, but it is great. It's, you know, I got, um, I record a lot of my meetings now um, just with a handheld recorder because I want to be present. I don't want to take notes. Right. And, I send them to someone at Fiverr that cleans up all the background noise and oh all that gosh. kind of stuff so that like 
I'm not in the podcast game, but right. if I ever did need snippets of that, I have those kind of all cleaned up. That's so smart. Yeah. That's like when we wanted to do startup. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. Okay. What do you spend most of your day doing? Like, uh, what, what would you snacks. say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about dinner? Uh, a lot of it, like, I, I jump kind of all over the place. Like, I'm sometimes in the shop doing production or working on a prototype. I'm, you know, still, I'm the one that puts the, the chairs in the package and figures out when UPS is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do wear a lot of hats. The best thing that I've kind of given myself now, and this is something that we'd worked through at Haven's Kitchen, was really just, like, identifying all those things you need to do putting them in a calendar or in some kind of system so yep. that it's just like, okay, I'm going to spend half an hour on this yeah. anymore. And you know, that it's a waste. I'm starting and then to move think that's the key that. to life. Oh yeah. I mean, even, you know, with social media, I realized the other night I, I just, I went on to just like check my blah, blah and like engage a little bit. The rabbit hole later. And the rabbit hole later. Yeah. And I was like, why can't I sleep? And why do I feel off? And like, yeah. Then I realized like, okay, social media isn't the problem. The problem is being on it for two hours when you thought you were going on for 20 minutes and just set an alarm. Like it's really that easy. Just you got to give yourself these. But give yourself the out. Like don't say I'm not going on social media. Right. No, exactly. Like, yeah, I can do that for 15 minutes. And then when you start veering off, you're like, okay, I'm not actually doing work stuff anymore. I'm down this, you know, I'm into somebody's God knows what. (laughs) Um, All right. A couple more questions. Uh, Again, it goes back to sort of for career changers. Yeah. What would you say the, the most important ducks they need to have in a row are before they take the plunge? I think look at your close circle of friends and family and just get them on side and explain to them why you're doing it. And Mm -hmm. I think that will be instrumental both in really convincing yourself to do it. And also, you know, if your loved ones around you are like, I really don't think that's a good idea. It might not be. It might not be, but (laughs) just like consider that, you know, you know, like for me, it was just like, you know, this, this time around as a multiple career changer, it was like, okay, like, of course you're going to do furniture. You should write a book on career changing. I know. But then you'd have to change Then I'd have to again. change careers in an author, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, I, I think it is what, it's like surround yourself by friends and family, really explain why you're doing it and, you know, kind of move on. And it was like, you know, my six-year-old trying to explain, you know, whenever we go to a restaurant, he knows we're going to end up in the kitchen at some point in the evening right. just to say hi. Explaining to him, I don't actually cook anymore. Yeah. I make furniture. And he's like, why? I'm like, well, right. here we go. <laughs> I feel there's a need for sustainable design food furniture. <laughs> You're like good at your elevator pitch. <laughs> no, you are. Yeah. You were always good at that. Yeah. Um, what's the most fun you've had since you started? Uh, I mean, every, I've, it's cliche again, but I think every new thing is super fun. Yeah. Like when I get a, uh, a 53 foot tractor trailer rolling up with all my corrugated yeah. and it's twice as much as I thought it was going to be space wise. Yeah. That's actually fun. Yeah. It's like, great. What do we do now? Yeah. I think one of the, uh, the super fun was, um, Des was on social media for an event we did at Kellogg's or Union Square Play. And he, we were going through the social images and seeing what we should repost. He's like, you know, it's okay if I'm famous. Like, I don't, I don't mind. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's just like the joy, the joy that he had. He's like, yeah. you know, he's got you know 30 likes now or something on that <laughs> on this post. And it's like, that's hilarious. So just seeing them actually get really excited about the project. Yeah. And it's like them when they see their their chairs in other people's homes, like yeah. in their friends' homes, they're like. That's my dad's chair. Oh, I'm sure. And that is, that's so much fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, DM. Yeah. That's so cool. All right. How do people buy these chairs? Well, so right now, the only place you can get them is on franklinemily.com. Franklin. Franklin and. And. 
franklinemily.com. franklinemily.com. There is no and. There's an and in the social. Okay. That would be another (laughs) advice to get all your social media tags in line. It's not a big deal because no one types it in after the first time anyway. Right. Yes, exactly. So you can go on there um, and we ship within two to three weeks. And there's a full range of uh, nine colors over two frames. And they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. And I've been sitting in one for the last 45 minutes. And, and you're totally comfortable. Totally comfortable. Do I get to take that home with me as like swag? Yeah. <laughs> it was a keychain or the, <laughs> yeah, keychain I gave the chair. you, I actually didn't bring anything for you. <laughs> All right, David, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Such I want you to come on next year so we can talk about year two yeah. and hear about all of the amazing things that you're doing. Matt, glad you're back. Thanks for being the best engineer ever. Maddie, thanks for sitting here with me all the time and (laughs) taking all the pictures. Um, And yeah, shout outs to everyone that we mentioned because you're all awesome. Yeah. Okay. See you next time. I like to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right-hand side of our homepage. Thanks for listening.